Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. This week, we're hearing from Kansas City Parks and Recreation Director Terry Reinard and Deputy Director Roosevelt Lyons as they look forward to the grand reopening of the Kansas City Museum later this year. They share with Northeast News publisher Michael Bushnell what they're looking forward to most, how the new collections will open a door to history while focusing on the often untold stories of Kansas City, and its transition to management by the Kansas City Museum Foundation. This episode of the Northeast Newscast is made possible by Shemekas Online Market in Delhi. Thank you very much. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what's what's going on at the Kansas City Museum. As you know, the, the museum is scheduled to reopen this fall after an almost four-year closure and a $22 million renovation project, which, by the way, looks awesome. We got a chance to go inside on a couple of different occasions. I think it looks fantastic. How excited are you about, about that reopening? And I'll throw it open to whoever wants to go first. You know, when this first came to us on uh, Parks Department, I'm thinking, wow, this is a huge undertaking. And I asked McHenry, I'm like, why do we want to do this? And he said, it's a challenge. And I was like, OK, I love the talent. Anyway, um, it, I think uh, it's been it's been closed for far too long. But bigger than that is um, the way that Anna Marie and her team are approaching uh, what we're doing here is actually, you know, hopefully other institutions, other departments, everyone takes takes a lesson from the playbook, you know, her coordination with the artist, her coordination with the community, the educators. I mean, I'm very excited, not just because the building will be open, but because the programs are going to be so just, you know, I don't know that there's another institution around here that is going to be like this. So. Yeah. I'll just add a little bit to that and echo everything Terry already said, but um yeah, I've been with the department um, for about six years now. So um, I remember coming on right when this, right when kind of the city acquired this and started working on this project. So it's been just really awesome to see it come from kind of the very start to, to where it's at now. So it's been a learning process for me and getting to see kind of Anna Marie and her team work on this and work through this and kind of get this awesome, you know, institution back open. So um, yeah, I think uh, echoing Terry, I'm really excited to see this project come to fruition, and I think um, it's been done in the right way. So excited! Going back, and I get, I'll throw this to Terry Roosevelt. The you've been on board six years, uh, and Terry, you've been on a minute or two. Going back to 2010, when we first started the community planning process. Um, what has that journey been like? We've been through a couple of directors and uh, a number of different scenarios on how the museum looks and is operated. Uh, what's that journey been like, say, starting in 2010, moving up till now? Um, so I, I was actually not back yet in 2010. So we, I got back in 13 and probably within a month, um, uh, the, these conversations started. And I can tell you, um, the first thing I knew for sure is that we needed an executive director that fit in well with our park mission and um, and our values. And uh, was lucky enough uh, to find Anna Marie. And you know, I don't think anyone can argue that it wasn't the best 
person for this job at this time. So, um, but I would say since 13, um, you know, we had a lot of help from the city in terms of dollars, but, you know, also the fundraising and putting together the kind of boots on the ground and the neighborhood support, um, that was all really critical. And, you know, uh, you've, you've been in the area for quite a while. So the level of trust uh, had to be built again, rebuilt, reestablish that relationship um, to make sure that everyone, you know, believed us, A, that we were going to get it done, B, that we'd be able to raise the money. And most importantly, that that it was going to be, uh, you know, a representation of not just the Northeast, although there's a lot of representation um, on the Northeast history, but just on the history of Kansas City, good, bad, and ugly. Uh, so, I, yeah, I wasn't around in 2010 either, and I came around around 2014. I think just watching this, uh, just the work that Anna Marie has done, I think um, kind of the intentional work on the front end on the programming aspect of this and involving the neighborhood um, in these conversations and stakeholders. Um, I think Terry said earlier, it's kind of a model that we would like to see um, more of. You know, it is it is one thing to, you know, renovate a building and to open a building. The city does that pretty frequently, um, or it's not uncommon to renovate a building. It's, it's a whole nother thing when you start talking about the programming and the stakeholders and the buy-in that it takes to ensure a facility like this is successful going forward. Um, so I don't, I, I, you know, we should never lose sight of, of the work that went into to that aspect of it, not just the, the construction and the design and all that, which was significant as well. Uh, but the idea of the programming and the stakeholder engagement and community engagement was just on, on parallel with the scope of the construction and design of it. I, I will say as, as a 30 year guy in, in Northeast that the starting in 2010, that, that whole stakeholder relationship that started really with, you know, we go back to Deb Herman and people like Scott Wagner when he was the Indian Mound president that kind of started that whole ball rolling. And I remember sitting back in the library with this exact laptop and taking notes and, uh, you know, answering questions and formulating uh, kind of a, a, a plan to move forward. And it, for me personally, it really brings, this really brings it all home. And getting those that geo bond money uh, on that first round, I think was I think was key to being where we are right now. And I, as, like I said earlier, as a guy who took our crew with the Northeast News through there on the very first and did that video, wow, it's it's just jaw dropping. So, I, as a neighborhood resident and as a local business stakeholder, it's it's really exciting to see uh, from my standpoint. And every time I walk my dog, I, I've sent Anna Marie a picture every time I walk my dog around the museum. And uh, I still I still really get a kick out of those panels that I had. To, I got to collaborate. On. So thank you very much for all that you guys are bringing to the table. And with that said, with the museum's reopening. What does it mean to to not just the Northeast community, but to the to the city at large? And Roosevelt, I'll throw it over to you first this time. 
Yeah, I think um, so. Probably, I, I'm glad that it's opening right now. I think this is, you know, obviously one of the most challenging times that that city governments have seen in a while. That residents have seen in a while. Whether you're talking about the pandemic and its effects on 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 budgets, on everything that we do on the day to day. So I think it's really um, key that it is that this facility is going to be opening up here in the near future. Um, and at this time, um, I, I think it is also a good example of kind of the long sightedness of this project. You know, there, you know, there's no shortage of, of, of buildings. The, the city could have walked away probably from this. Um, and you'd have a somewhat of a vacant structure structure that could turn into an eyesore there in the Northeast or just not get utilized to the, to the extent that I think it will get utilized. Um, so, during these times right now, these these really trying times, I'm so happy that it's opening, that um, the residents in the Northeast can see um, that this building is opening, and it kind of, it, you know, I, I think it's it's a good kind of symbol right now for what what we need right now, and it's also a good indicator of the city's willingness to obviously invest in cultural institutions, um, which I think are are important, you know, going forward. When we come against these kind of tough budget times, you know, it's you, you want to focus on the core. It's easy for cities to kind of focus on the core services, you know, uh, plowing snow for one is, is one of those. But uh, uh, it, it shows that you can do a little bit of both. Right. Um, you don't have to forsake, you know, the, the cultural institutions and uh, the city's culture for just, you know, you know city services. So, so um, I'm glad that that's this is happening right now. Yeah, I think I think the timing is great for a number of reasons as well. Um, I think one thing um, that is going to be the most beneficial to the community is this tough, tough balance. And, you know, there's dialogue on it almost every day about how do you balance tradition and and history as we've been taught it with progress and maybe even justice. And I think um, the way we've approached the museum, and again, that's Anna Marie and her team, is a great example of how you can have both, right? You can have your cake and eat it too. We can talk about history um, without being insensitive to, to some things that maybe in our past were not, you know, the best, the best things to happen. So um, I, I think in that, I think this will do, this is this has an opportunity to be kind of a unifying element theme location for all of Kansas City and and I think that's the most exciting part of what we have going on over there. Speaking about excitement, uh, the the first exhibit that is scheduled, the first planned exhibit, is uh, from the St. Joseph's Hospital archives. Tell us how you feel about having a gallery dedicated to specific collection groups. And as I, I went down and I talked to Denise, uh, when we've got a couple of things coming out about the collections, and that was my first time in the collections area, which is probably a mistake on her part, because <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> but, um, what is, what's that going to look like about having galleries dedicated to specific collection groups? I, you know, I think it allows us to do a deep dive, uh, a deep dive, right? You're not, you're not rushing through. Um, you're not going to get tired of the same exhibits 
you know, it's an opportunity to keep it fresh, to, to do a bigger reach. Um, and of course you want to start off with something that is kind of knock your socks off. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's good. I, I, that's funny you say that. Cause the first time I went to the caves and looked at the collection, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we have to have a party in here. People need to see all this stuff. <laughs> Denise is like, absolutely not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's and just a note, just a little secret. Denise loves apple fritters. So I think if you take her an apple fritter, that, that will get you, that goes far. <laughs> oh, that is very good to know. Very good to know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's a great way to start it. And it's a good, you know, there's nothing really controversial. It's just a, a good exhibit that will share some history. Again, some good, some bad, but uh, a good way to present something that a lot of people probably don't even think about. And, it, you know, it ties into... Uh, just the significance of the medical community that we have here in Kansas city with the, you know, three big medical schools and you can throw Avalon, I guess, four, but yeah. Yeah. Not much to add there. I, I would, I would think, you know, um, by having this exhibit space and the way that um, they're structuring these exhibits is to, to Terry's point does just allows for us to get deeper into these stories and, and to bring out these stories that, uh, and you know, Shout out to obviously her team, Denise and everybody for curating really good exhibits and figuring out how to take these stories that are, you know, that you wouldn't think um, like are top of mind. Like you wouldn't just think like, hey, you know what I want to know about? I want to know about uh, St. Joseph Hospital. But I think presenting it in a way that is extremely interesting and tells the story of Kansas City and does it just through this uh this lens that I think a lot of people are going to find um, interesting, both educational and also um, just fun. Um, they just learn a lot and have fun doing it. So we're, we're excited to see. Yeah, I think um, I should have mentioned this the first time, but um, also the idea that it's it's a progression in technology and um, and how far we've come, uh, not just in the medical field, but just with technology and improvements and learning from, you know, objects that maybe did their job, but not as effectively or as efficiently or without as much skill or whatever. So I, I, I like, I'm a visual person. So I like the idea that I can see what something looked like a respirator and how that's progressed through the years. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to draw a lot of attention. I, I definitely think um, the medical school geeks, geeky learn biology folks will be will be really excited to finally have it in a place where they can see it all laid out so and and i think i don't remember the numbers i think it's only about less than 20 percent of the whole collection that will be in the first exhibit so that'll also give us opportunity to have the next medical exhibit and it will be fresh again so Mm -hmm. um very intentionality around uh, keeping things fresh and you know a lot of times with children's museums the kids are like yeah I want to go but then you say like well let's go to the Kansas City Museum I'm like really do we have to so the goal here is that everybody of all ages from all over the city this will always be a highlight of a place to go so I think they've done a good job of capturing that 
It's time to take a break to thank our sponsor, Shemekas Online Market in Delhi, offering nationwide shipping and catering at shemekasonline.com or visit their new store at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shemekas, where customers become friends and friends become family. Now back to the newscast. Uh, I would say absolutely critical, right? You can't, it's, it's very difficult to talk about Kansas City's rich history, its neighborhoods, and not incorporate, you know, the voices of those neighborhoods into this project. And I think Anna Marie, you know, uh, throughout this has been extremely mindful and intentional about including those. When I, I remember when um, meeting with the kind of, when they were going through the strategic planning process for, for this facility and trying to kind of talk about what ideas or what this, what's the story this facility was going to tell. And I was really excited when I, when they started talking about kind of the local stories and the local history and the neighborhoods and all of these. And I, I just think that that, A, it's, that's such a Kansas City thing to do, uh, first of all. So it's so appropriate that um, there is this institution that is kind of dedicated to telling the stories and incorporating those from the neighborhood in that process and giving them that voice. So um, it's pretty cool. I'm excited. Yeah, I, you know, people will support what they create. And the more people you get involved in creating the process, the, the more support you're going to have. And so I agree with Roosevelt. The, the, you know, the biggest issue is, is telling those stories and doing that engagement, doing that outreach. Um, but also, I think it, it builds a, you know, you had a piece in it, you, you helped with it. Obviously, you're going to be more engaged going forward, whether that's time, treasure, talent, or just, you know, promoting the institution. So very good from a business perspective, but also very good when we talk about um, alignment with our, with our mission as a department and where we want to, where we want to see things go. I think probably the, that's exciting to me from the standpoint as, as a neighborhood guy, I, and I've done postcard presentations for various neighborhoods in Kansas City. And one of the most challenging was postcards from the city's east side. And while you've got a few of Truce Lake and say, for example, Linwood and the Paseo, the St. Regis Hotel, there's really not a whole heck of a lot out there that tells the story of Kansas City's east side. So I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing that story develop for the rest of the city to see. Because so often it's you just drop that. Well, it's on the east side, and it's and it's kind of a bomb, and it's kind of negative. So let's let's change that stereotype. And I'm excited about that. And some of the resources that are going to come to the table uh, in that conversation, I think, uh, are are outstanding. And one of the the first people I think of is um, Mamie Hughes, and her. Uh, I never knew. I never knew anything about Lake Placid or where it was, or what it was. And to hear that story told, it, it just amazes me. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to more stories like that coming to fruition. I think that's exciting. Uh, the museum is going to soon move to management by the Kansas City Museum Foundation. And how important is that partnership moving forward, and how will that shape the museum as we know it? I'll take a shot and let Roosevelt clean it up. That's how that's how we do things around <laughs> no, here. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's very exciting. I mean, we have known, and the strategic plan um, was was done that we would build up to the capacity up to this point, and and we always used to use the term "hand over the keys." But 
the museum foundation got going, gosh, I don't even know when they started three or four years ago, probably four years ago. And they have just consistently, you know, not just helped with fundraising, but they helped shape everything that's happened there so far. And um, I, you know, they have a little more flexibility with how they do programming and, and, and those sorts of things. But more importantly, I think, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, uh, when you say the city owns something, uh, sometimes that brings up some negative thoughts from people or that it's a public space. So it's less than magnificent. And if it's privately operated, there's this kind of belief that it will be maybe a step up a little more critical. Of course, I've worked for the city all my life, so I don't know that I believe that, but I, it's a perception. And I think it it adds a level of professionalism and a level of uh, support from, you know, that's a pretty, it's a nice board that they've put together and very diverse. We don't always see that with boards. It, it doesn't let it fade into the whole, it's one of many city assets, right? It it allows it to stand out and stand strong. So, yeah, so I'm, ex- yes, I think this is uh, obviously the, the relationship with the foundation is going to be critical to its success and um, ongoing relationships with the city and parks department. Um, but I'll say, you know, the parks department obviously has a history of these types of partnerships, whether you're talking about the zoo or um, World, War One, World War One Memorial. Um, and this, I think, speaking from, you know, a public administrator, which I would consider myself, is what I would consider one of the key roles of government when we're talking about the idea of stabilizing a a facility or an institution like the Kansas City Museum, kind of getting it what it needs so that it gets back on its feet, and then letting those who have that passion, who have that expertise, kind of operate it. Um, As Terry said, you know, the city gets asked to do a a lot of things, and oftentimes we find ourselves stretched in and asked to be the experts in things that um, we wouldn't necessarily, that, that may not fall in our wheelhouse as, as uh, public administrators or bureaucrats, right? And so it, sometimes we don't always do it the service something like this may need, right? So I think opportunities like this to work with um, foundations that, like I said, have that expertise, that have that passion, that's, and, and we act as, you know, the, the kind of stabilizing force to get it back on its feet. And then as Terry said, hand the keys over and let them operate. I think those are, that's, that's a really good place for um, government to be um, and not feeling like it has to have its hand in everything or running everything or um, doing all that. Cause it just, it just can't, frankly, it can't do that um, going forward. It really has to focus on core services and find those opportunities to partner um, for things like this where it can Anything else that either one of you would care to add at this point that you think would would benefit our readers of, of this particular piece? And I'm not talking about just readers in Northeast because this is obviously we've got a regional readership. And especially when it comes to the museum, whenever we put a story up or something that we've done at the museum, like we did a couple of weeks back with the art installation, we got a lot of response from all over the region. So anything that you'd care to add in regards to, you know, what we've talked about today or just moving forward? 
Um, I, I think I'd go back to um, why is it important at this time? And um, you don't even have to say it anymore. Like it, it's been a rough year for lots of reasons. And I think um, for the, the opportunity to have something fresh, something new in the same conversation that you're talking about history is unique. And um, particularly now, you know, and, and when you look at just this balance of tradition versus progress versus whatever, um, it is, it's a great opportunity to be unifying, right? This is a place where, you know, it's kind of like soccer. Soccer is kind of unifying. Like it doesn't really matter if we speak the same language. It doesn't even matter if we play at the same level, we can play soccer together and, and I would say from a cultural perspective, that's what this is, right? I don't, I may know a whole bunch. I may not know a darn thing, but no matter where I'm at on that spectrum, I'm going to, I'm going to learn something and I'm going to learn to appreciate something I didn't know. So. I'll just say ditto. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, you know why I talk first and Roosevelt cleans up because he's much more articulate, but, uh, but ditto, that's all you got. That's all you got. Come on. You gotta leave it, leave when they, something's good, you just gotta leave it alone. So you just left. I just, just gonna leave it there. <laughs> less, is, less is more, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thank you very much. I appreciate uh you guys taking a taking a slice out of your day and, and talking with us, talking with me. Again, thank you very much, Terry Roosevelt. Thank you yeah. very much. If there's anything that we can do for you guys here at the Northeast News, please do not hesitate to reach out. Appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you, Michael. You guys have been supportive from day one. So um, I really appreciate it. I think a lot of people wouldn't know what was going on if not for not for you all. So kudos to you on that. Well, there's there's a reason for that. And if you ask <laughs> if you ask Anna Marie, uh, she'll tell you that uh, the, the gatehouse is is going to be my retirement residence. And so there's going to be a beer garden behind there and the whole, you know, the whole shooting match. So. You know, I, I do what I can. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. And that was Kansas City Parks and Rec Director Terry Reinard and Deputy Director Roosevelt Lyons. This episode was made possible by Jamaica's online market in Delhi. Thank you for tuning into the Northeast Newscast. Visit northeastnews.net for all our episodes, articles, and more.